From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. What are the most common mistakes that leaders make? That is the subject and theme of today's episode. Our guest, Skip Pritchard, has released a book called The Book of Mistakes. A great leader himself, very experienced, uh, very involved in personal development in the publishing world. He's got nine mistakes. He's going to walk us through a couple of them. And there are there is one in particular that Skip shares that really hits me hard and really causes me to think about a place that I have made mistake in my own life and in the lives of the people around me that is very, very limiting. And there's a chance, a good chance, that you might be doing the same thing. So if you want to know what that is, make sure you stick around for the debrief after the show uh, or after the interview anyways, and you'll want to stick around for that. Also, there, we work in some advice from Jim Rohn, from Simon Sinek, and from the Bible, all different sources and citations that you will hear in this episode of Mistakes That Leaders Make. So stay tuned, listen in, don't make those mistakes, and change your life. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. You are about to meet one of my favorite people. And the reason why I love Skip Pritchard, I mean, he's very, very smart. He is, he is very, very generous. He has one of the biggest blogs uh, on the internet, one of the best leadership blogs on the internet. He is the former CEO of Ingram. And he has a new book coming out that is called The Book of Mistakes. But I'll tell you why I love Skip Pritchard. Because he is a student first and a teacher second. He is a reader first and a writer second. And too many authors have written more books than they have read. And Skip is the opposite of that. He told me that he reads a book every day. I don't know if he's still doing that, but that blew my mind. And I said, I want to be like this guy. I want to learn and read and absorb. And his book is called The Book of Mistakes. And you're learning from somebody who's a practitioner, but also a student. And so that's why it was like, as soon as I heard his new book was coming out, it was an absolute no brainer to introduce him to you. So Skip, welcome to the Action Catalyst podcast, my friend. Thanks so much. Give us a little bit about of, of your uh, of your background, and uh, you know, I know that you you grew up in a in a 
I guess you would use the word unusual, a little bit of an unusual home. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that sort of shaped your path? It was very unusual and not uh, a normal childhood, though you don't know that at the time, right? Uh, My parents were both going to be missionaries overseas. They thought that's what their calling was. They couldn't have children, they were told. They ended up having six. And my mom said, you know, we just want to help people. Let's make our home. Let's open it up. And so I grew up in a place where we took in people from all over, and they were abused, addicted, and abandoned is the way I like to think of it. And all races, all uh, walks of life, all ages, uh, but all of them had trouble. And uh, it's a fascinating way to grow up. It's unusual. But... I remember even as a kid, I would be fascinated with why somebody would kind of leave the house, get a job, do well, maybe start a business or whatever they did. And somebody else would leave the house and get back on drugs, um, not be able to move past what had happened to them, whatever, whatever those issues were. And I was fascinated with that. Why is this person doing well and this person not doing well? It started my earliest uh, thinking and studying huh. over success principles. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the book is called The Book of Mistakes. So you talk about these, these nine mistakes that, that people make. And I, I guess some of those are probably rooted all the way back to, the, you know, to observing them then and then seeing them proven out as you know, CEO, entrepreneur, writer, et cetera. What, what are some of the, like, you know, if, if, you, if you take all nine of them and you had to say, this is probably the most common one, or this is, um, you know, maybe, maybe the most surprising one, or, you know, pick, just give me like one of the nine that you say, this is, this is one people need to really, really know about. Sure. Well, we'll, we'll start at the beginning. I, I think the first mistake that people make is becoming part of someone else's dream. Big mistake, Mm. right? So we get wrapped up. Why did you major in engineering? Well, mom said to her, why are you a marketing uh, manager? Well, my first boss pushed me that way. Wait a minute. What is your purpose? What is your dream? What are you trying to accomplish? If you're an entrepreneur, are you really doing what you want to do? Or if you're in a jobs kind of somewhere, is is that your passion? Is that your purpose? And so often people are locked in someone else's dream and then they wonder, well, why am I not successful? It doesn't mean everyone has to start their own business and their own thing, though it may, but you have to think about my personal purpose. What gives me energy? What drives me? Why am I put here? And if you're in your purpose, your sweet spot, enormous success is possible. If you are not, then it can cause all kinds of problems. Huh. And I I actually... I want to highlight what you said too about it doesn't mean you have to start your own business. I'm a I'm a fan of entrepreneurs and that kind of thing. It's a big movement right now, which I think is is great. Uh, South uh, Southwestern Consulting is a, a culture that's we we kind of think of ourselves as entrepreneurs. It's like people who could have started their own thing, but we kind of do it together. And then I think of like a lot of direct sales companies, a lot of our clients. That's a very entrepreneurial venture or franchises, and it's like. It's an on, it's very very entrepreneurial and but but it it doesn't mean you have to start something from scratch. It's just you're just saying you should be doing something that you love every day. 
every day. Are you in your sweet spot? Are you in your zone? You know, it's interesting when you study uh, research, one of the, the books, uh, several of the books that I've been reading on near-death experiences, on the dying, if you look at their regrets, what do you regret in life? The answer almost always comes back, I regret not being true to me, right? And it doesn't matter um, if you do it 10 years ago, if you do the study again, if you look at different countries, that bubbles up to the top of the list. Why is that? Well, I regret not being my, me. I regret not following my dream. I was pushed into someone else's. So it's, it's something mm-hmm. that really stays there, but it's, it's not necessarily your own business. It may be, uh, but you can find your purpose in a job. Some people hear this, I, I do a talk on this, and they may find their purpose in a charitable thing that they're doing on the side. And their job is kind of a, a way to that, but their, their purpose is not defined just by their occupation. So you really have to give some time to thinking about your purpose and, and what is that. And so all of these mistakes are, are universal truths, and I have found them to be um, you know, based in research, academic research. I've interviewed over a thousand people. You're one of them and studied successful people and my own life as a CEO of several companies. Um, And I'll just jump to one other one all the way at the end. That's the first mistake. The very last mistake, the ninth one, is believing you have all the time in the world. The most successful people have a sense of urgency and they tackle it. You have to prioritize your time. And is that time then, and where you're spending that time, multiplied, as you would say, or you're a multiplier, is that going to enhance your goals, your purpose? And then it kind of reinforces all of the nine that helps uh, assure your success. So all of the principles relate to each other, and they're all designed to get you on that track that you want toward your own goals. It's interesting, those two, even though you kind of started with one and skipped, fast forwarded all the way to nine, it seems like if you believe your time is limited, if you believe time is running out, which is how I constantly feel like time is running out, time is running, I felt that way from the time I was young, you don't, you're, it seems like you're less likely to accept the idea of living someone else's dream because you you accept that when you think, oh, well, I'll get to it at some point. But when you feel like, hey, I could I could go at any minute, it's like I have to get busy living my dream. So do you think those two are kind of connected that way? Very well said. And I think I'll quote you because it, it they all interrelate and it's that sense of urgency for my personal purpose. And all of these mistakes, if you have that sense of urgency and that drive, you're, you're going to fuel your own success. Uh, in fact, you're going to fail faster, right? Failure's great. We all know that. Failing, if you're not failing, you're not trying enough things. You're not expanding your comfort zones. But people who have that sense of urgency are just failing faster, right? You're not going to fail and then wallow in it for years and just right. keep going. Because you know that success means time and time is more valuable than money. You're going to be incented. You're going to be this deep drive within to say, well, what's next, right? What's the next sale? What's the next opportunity? What's the next call I can make? What's the next book I can read that's going to change my mindset, motivate me just 1% more in this next month, which then of course changes the trajectory of my year. You read so much, Skip, and you learn so much and you've observed so much and you have had, you know, such, you have such close proximity to so many great thought leaders and so forth. Were, were any of the nine 
surprises to you? Was that was there anything that sort of caught you off guard or uh, you know, because like the purpose one, I would go, yeah, I would expect that to be, you know, that's not surprising to me. It's, it's, it's good to highlight it as like, oh, that's a salient point. Uh, but were there, were there any that were just like, wow, I, I didn't expect that. But then when I was pulling together everything, there was this sort of one or, or not really was, was kind of the, the conclusion that, you know, these are all things that if you spend a little time reading, you should be aware of. Um, you know, it's, it's more for me. Or which one I identify with at that particular time. Um, and, and I wrote the book in a f- fable story form. It's, it's written as fiction. It's written to grab people's attention I, that uh, was so from the traditional business book. I, 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 was, I, was surpri- I was surprised that you did that, as a, that you did it as a fable because I expected like, oh, you know, this is going to be a step-by-step and, and you did it as a fable. Like, why did you do that? Well, I'll go back to answer your question in a second of the first one, but I wrote it as a fable because um, stories are engaging. You know, Jennifer, Jennifer Aker of Stanford University, you remember stories 22 times more than you do facts. And mm-hmm. um, I, I want you know, Jerry Seinfeld's wife, she writes these great books, uh, cookbooks uh, on getting kids to eat vegetables. You'll, you'll learn about this in a few years, Rory. How do you get these kids to eat vegetables? And so how do you sneak zucchini like into chocolate chip cookies and things like that? And it's this very clever book. Well, this book is written in that same way. How do I take success principles mm. and work them in, in a way into a story that's enjoyable that I'm reading and I don't realize by the end, I've kind of learned I've gotten my success vegetables. And yeah. that the idea was, you know, looking at young people in particular, how do you how do you get them to to read something and engage? And so I've had people who just read the story and they're just fascinated with the story and they love that. And I, I, I think that's great. And so um, I, I think I think I did that for all of those reasons. Also, stories are enduring. I mean, they, they last for a long time. So people right. will refer it and it's kind of that gift kind of thing where you can say, hey, I read this story. I think it would benefit you. Uh, and going back to the- Hold, uh, hold on. So I'm just, sorry. I just want to highlight for everybody, you know, like some of my all-time favorite business books is Pat Lencioni, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, mm-hmm. Andy Andrews, The Traveler okay. Gift, and The Noticer, John Gordon's The Energy Bus, uh, Bob Berg and John David Mann, The Go-Giver. I mean, those are some of the best business books of all time. All of them are fables. They're not, you know, this like prescriptive. Uh, so, if you like those books, and I know for sure some people out there, we've had, I think we've had all those people on the show. This, you know, if you like that style, I just want to highlight for everybody that that's what this is. This is not a book, you know, like the books that I've written are more like prescriptive that our team produces, you know, my business partners, you know, we had Dustin on the show, Navigate, they're more like business books. But if you like the fable, that's what this is. And so I just want to make sure people, people know that. Okay. So yeah, now I want to hear the answer to my other question. And I, I, I like all of those people you mentioned and all of their stories are so compelling. If you think about a discipline, if, if you think about um, these mistakes, the one that, identify, that I, I'm identifying with today, because I just had this session with somebody, is uh, the second mistake is um, accepting false labels. The big mistake is to accept labels that people put on us. Mm-hmm. And think about I, you know, the example I use in, in the book is a nickel. In the, in the U.S., it cost us over 10 cents to manufacture a nickel. 
Really? That's our government, right? Yeah. Takes 10 cents to make a nickel. Why is it worth a nickel? Because we label it five cents. That's what we attribute that value to, even though it costs 10 cents to make. And how often in life we accept labels that other people put on us, we allow, the mistake is allowing someone else to define our value. And and this has broad implications, right? It has implications if someone says when you're a kid, you're not athletic or you're not a good speaker. And we accept these labels. And years later, we're still struggling with what mom said or dad said, that label that was put on us. But in in the uh, leadership guide, I have a leadership guide, by the way, to the Book of Mistakes that's available at thebookofmistakes.com. And it's, it's written for corporate leaders to put it more into that style of the principles and the step-by-step. Yeah. The, the principle here on labels and what I was having this conversation on in a sales conversation is don't allow your competition to define you. Don't allow your competition to mm-hmm. label you. And, you know, so often you go into a situation, an RFP, a competitive sales process, you've won or lost already based on other labels that people have put on you. And the best successful people have already labeled the competition and put them in a box where you need to be able to define your value. And that's personal for you in the book of mistakes. What is my personal value? And and I'm not going to accept false labels that are put on me. And it's also corporately important that you don't accept false labels on your product, on your service, on who you are, that you're going to define what label it wears, and you're going to define uh, that future success. Big difference. Big. Yeah, that's, that is, that's huge. And I was with um, some close friends here recently, and one of them said something. They said, you know, you have to remember underneath every job title, we all have the title of human. And we're all just dealing with, you know, like emotional insecurities and fears and aspirations. And um, that's so good. I want to make sure that y'all caught the bookofmistakes.com is where you can go. There's some some bonuses and things that you can uh, take advantage of depending on when you hear this. There's some pre-order bonuses and stuff. But, um, you know, the last little question, well, there's two two questions what would be your, you know, some of your top favorite books? This is the guy that reads every day. You know, I, I never am good at answering favorite questions. It, it's, it's a very difficult thing because I just, whatever's top of mind, you can always say the Bible because that's always a good favorite and you can't ever yeah. go wrong with that. Or recent. But, um, what have you been reading recently yeah. even would be a good one. Yeah. If, on my on my blog skipprichard.com I'm always sharing the the latest books that that I read although I share more nonfiction than I do uh, fiction I'm a big fiction reader as well and um, I, I really share about different books all all the time um, all of the books you just mentioned I, I would definitely put on the list in terms of those fable books they're great um, all of those people in fact I'm, I'm fortunate most all those people have endorsed this book which is a, a wonderful thing I saw um, that but yeah I'm always I'm always sharing um, books books on culture leadership personal development and I'm going back and I'm rereading and re-listening to things that that I've already listened to in in fact um, I was reading some some Zig Ziglar material lately that I hadn't read in a long time, which just such a shot of motivation and yeah. classic, right? So, so I go back, I read these new books, and then I'll reread some of these classic books, and you just say, "Wow, um, this some of these truths 
are enduring, but everybody puts it a different way. And at that particular point in, in my life, based on the experiences I have, I'm bringing a different set of circumstances to it, and I'm going to take different things from it. I just read Michael Hyatt's book and Mm. uh, I'm a big fan of Your Best Year Ever. Um, I think it's a great kickoff um, for a new year. And there's just so many, so many great books uh, to share. I'm I'm also not sharing, but I I read way ahead. So I'm I'm seeing the books that are in my mind, I'm not talking about because they're six and seven months away from being published. So um, I'm I'm not sharing them deliberately, but there's some great books coming out in, in several months that um, that will really be inspirational. So great. And, and the last little question, you know, if there was one quick piece of advice as a young CEO, now having read all these books, had this lifetime of experience in interviews, if there's one thing you could go tell young CEO Skip Pritchard, and he said, man, if you would have known this lesson, it would have saved you making a ton of mistakes. What would it be? Well, I'm fortunate I actually heard that advice and I heard it directly from Jim Rohn at one of his seminars and I talked to him afterwards and I attended many, many of them and uh, business philosopher Jim Rohn and he, he shared something and I share it with all of my companies and I share it with, with people that either work with me or for me is to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Mm. If you work hard on your job, you'll make some money. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And if we are constantly working on ourselves all the time, everything is possible. Your skill set keeps expanding and who you are next year is different than who you are today. And that's why I consume all these books because I'm, I'm working hard on me. I'm working hard on me. I, I need to improve. I need to get better. Uh, as Stephen Covey would say, I need to sharpen the saw. And all of that information that worked harder on me will make me better, will make my own saw sharper uh, in future years. So that's, to me, extraordinarily. And it's contrary to what most people would think because you'd think new CEOs coming in, he's going to tell us to work on these things. And I say, no. We need to work harder on ourselves because if each one of us in this company works incredibly hard on ourselves, our entire collective future is going to be completely different. All of us will be contributing at a much higher level in two years with the same people, even if we don't change anyone than we are today. And so that to me is the advice that I'd rehear, but I was fortunate to have heard it very young. It made a big difference and a huge impact on me. Well, I love it. The Book of Mistakes. You're listening to Skip Pritchard. Go to thebookofmistakes.com. Thanks for being here, my friend. We wish you all the best. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you in Nashville soon. It always amazes me how literally the most successful people in the world, that the wealthiest people in the world are the biggest students. And I think growing, just being someone who grew up not having a lot of money, just growing up, you know, in a in a world where money was this sort of far off distant dream, I guess I always had these perceptions and just these stories about what made wealthy people wealthy. 
And I remember thinking, oh, it, only only wealthy people who are born into wealthy families have wealth, or you must become a celebrity to have wealth, or things like you 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 must just be one of the few that goes to an Ivy League school, or you must have these incredible connections. And those are not the predominant indicators of wealth. They 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 aren't. They're not even close. The thing that wealthy people do that nobody else does is personal development. It's crazy. Like, it is such a simple thing, and it is such a path that is so universally available to everyone. More now than ever before in history, it's personal development. It's working harder on yourself than you do at your job. Now, I that's what Jim Rohn says. I, I'm a fan of working hard on your job also, so I wouldn't quite share that the same way. I would say work as hard on yourself at least as you do at your job. But, you know, here is a guy who's a CEO, been a CEO of many companies. Ingram's huge, and, 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 and what is he doing? He still reads a book every single day. Now, you might not need to read a book every day, but if you read a book once a quarter or once a month, I mean, and and the podcast, oh my gosh. I mean, there's so much available for free on these blogs. Are you investing in yourself? Are you learning? And obviously, if you are listening to this in some ways, I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm even saying this to myself is what am I doing to get better? And and how am I anteing up my own personal development? How am I upping the level of investment for me to get to the next level? And what am I doing? That's something I'm always thinking about is who can I learn from next? Where can I go? And and that the, the part that is really just mind-blowing, and for some reason when Skip said it, it just really sunk in. It's like that is the, that is the secret. Right there, it's hard work and discipline for sure to apply and execute all this stuff. But that's that's well known. That's everybody knows that. The part that is the secret is that when we're trying to become successful, when we're trying to become wealthy, when we're trying to become a great leader, we we think that there must be something that we haven't figured out. Right, that there's some secret. And, and the secret is personal development and education and books and podcasts and coaching programs and courses. And just the, the, the most successful people in the world are the first ones to sign up. They're the ones who spend the most money on those things. And we all sit back with a skeptical eye going, yeah, that can't be it. That, that, that's just someone trying to take my money. And gosh, it's just, it's just crazy how available it is to everybody and in a lot of ways you know you can get very very far down the path with stuff that's that's free at least if you're hanging around our team at southwestern consulting because we're, we're giving away a ton of stuff for free so are you working harder on yourself or as hard on yourself let's say uh just to adapt that hopefully jim roan won't mind that we adapt that a little bit working as hard on yourself as you do at your job and then the other big thing, and this is this is going to be a shorter wrap up because I think, you know, one of the one of the powerful things about learning from people like Skip, who read a lot, is they become very articulate, 
and they are able to deliver insight and information in a very concentrated format. And so it doesn't take a lot of words to explain what they're trying to say because it's it's very succinct. And I think he's very eloquent when he's talking about things like don't live everyone else's dream and have a sense of urgency. But but the one the, the other one I wanted to highlight, and we talked about this a little bit on last week's show with Michael Hyatt and his new book that just came out. And Michael was, if you haven't listened to the episode, you should go listen to it. And he was talking about the dog collar and the invisible fence that he had for his dog. And, and, and that got me thinking about limiting beliefs. And here it is coming up again with what Skip was talking about is accepting false labels. Is that is that these labels exist everywhere and, and how ironic too about the that it takes it costs a dime to make a nickel. How crazy is that? It costs a dime to make a nickel. Like we literally lose five cents every time we make a nickel. That's just that's just wild. But it reminded me that you know our our we have to be careful and this is what this is skip said this directly you have to be careful of letting labels assign your value and one of my favorite quotes from simon sinek of course i'm a huge simon sinek and fan and i'm committed to one day we're going to get him on the show and one of my favorite quotes of his is he says value is a perception not a calculation Value is something that people feel. And I love that quote. When I think about that quote from Simon, that value is a perception, not a calculation, I typically think about that in the realm or the conversation of the customer experience, right? That it's what people what people are paying is not so much what the trinket is worth it's based on the value. It's based on the emotion, the feeling that it creates for the person, which is why there is such a big movement to customer experience. And I want to say it was Gardner who who uh, did the research a couple years ago that predicted that by the year 2020, customer experience will take over and it will surpass price as the number one leading like indicator or the decision point of how people choose to buy that it will be more about the experience that will rank higher than price by 2020 and so customer experience is something i've been thinking a lot about and reading a lot about and hearing a lot about and talking about and so that's how i've always processed that with simon but i thought about it here when skip said that you have to be careful of letting these labels determine your value because typically when we think of value, we think of the value of a product, but it also applies when you think about your own value, right? Like, when what is, the, what is your value? How do you assign the value that you contribute to your organization or to your team or to the world? And it's, it's easy to sort of systematically kind of say, I determine my value based on, you know, things that add up to a certain a certain point. But if somebody else is giving you a label, you just have to be careful that that label isn't restricting, that that label isn't limiting because oftentimes it is, and especially 
now being a, a parent, right, I think of Jasper. And I, I'm really cautious and careful about even what think people things say, like if somebody, you know, I just, I don't want ever people to say, oh, he's, he's uh, spoiled or he is, um, you know, oh, he's, he is whatever. I'm just, anytime anybody says anything that is sort of a label, I am very, very cautious and it catches, it catches my ear every single time because I know how easy it is to internalize those labels. And sometimes people say things jokingly about you or to you, or they, they say things only like semi-serious, and yet we hear them and then we internalize them as labels. And then we start shaping our belief, our own conviction in our own value. We allow it to be molded by these labels. And, and some people give you labels because they're mean, right? They're, they're, they're haters, so to speak. And so they're trying to bring you down. Other people give you labels as a part of just, they're just trying to give you feedback and they're actually trying to support you and they're trying to help you. But there's some word that they use that you latch onto with your subconscious because you're just very sensitive to receiving feedback. We are, right? And so then that becomes a label. Sometimes people say things jokingly, really like they were joking and again, you latch onto that label and your subconscious then starts to process on it. And so I guess the thing that I would encourage you to do is think about those labels. Think about the labels that you have put on yourself or that other people have put on you that you have internalized. And it, and it really might be worth taking the time to just go through and list out what are the labels that you have for yourself, right? Like, what are the adjectives? That would be another way to say it. What are the adjectives you would use to describe yourself and list them out? And and especially list a lot of them out because then you'll start getting into like more of the subconscious and the and the unconscious things that you think about yourself, and you just list out the adjectives, and then look at the list, and you look at the list, and as the author of your own life, you literally need to decide and make a decision about which of those labels are acceptable. Which of those labels are compelling? Which of those labels are empowering? And you're going to keep those labels. But if you do this like I have done and I do regularly, typically about once a year, I'll go through this because it's it's usually when I work on my affirmations for the year. You may find that there are labels that have crept in either by you or from people who have given you feedback or from people who just said things jokingly about you or from people who are haters or whatever you want to call it. And there's just these things that, for whatever reason, have been implanted in, into your mind. And 
you know, I'm I'm a fan of feedback. I'm not. I don't mean to discount feedback. We should take feedback, and we've talked about this on the show before. There's there's a difference between criticism and feedback. Criticism is designed to make the person who's giving the critique feel more empowered and to make you feel less than. I don't pay much attention to criticism, but feedback is delivered in a way to empower you as the receiver. And it's not about the deliverer being elevated or feeling more powerful. They're actually serving you and they're trying to gracefully support you. And it's a real thin line and you just kind of have to interpret it. But when people give criticism, it's hard to receive much of that because I know that what they're really doing is trying to elevate themselves. And so I don't know for sure if they're operating in a way to support me. But if they're giving me true genuine feedback that is gold that is pure gold and it's it's hard to find so you have to sort of delineate the two but even if someone gave you feedback you know you if it's if it's if it's good constructive healthy feedback you should work to modify your behavior and you should take the feedback and modify your behavior but make sure to leave the label behind you have to leave the label behind so you want to take the feedback modify, adapt, change your behavior or repent would be another word for that. By the way, repentance is a biblical term. It means to turn the opposite direction, to go 180 degrees and repentance, the word repent, is, it's, it's one of the ways that you can delineate how, you know, is somebody truly sorry? And because as Christian, Myself, right? I believe that we are called to forgive. That's the Bible's very clear about that. You know, forgive as you have been forgiven. But then, how do you know if you should still keep someone in the business? Because there is a difference between forgiving somebody for a spiritual reason and then also forgiving somebody and then choosing still to work with them. And the big difference is: do they repent? In other words, does their behavior modify? Does it change? So if they acknowledge it, receive it, and then repent, then that's someone that you can continue to do business with because we all make mistakes and we all need coaching. And it our coaching as is received should be reflective and it should show up as modified behavior. Now, if somebody just keeps ap- apologizing and then they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, that's uh, going to be tougher to work with because they're not really repenting. They're not modifying. So, Anyways, the, 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 the point of that is just receive the feedback, modify your behavior, change, alter, shape, repent, whatever the word is you want to use, but leave the label behind. If you receive feedback that you are arrogant or you're acting arrogant and you, should, you need to change some things, change those things and then leave that label behind. Labels, unfortunately, are very sticky. Labels have a way of latching on and coming along with us for the ride, and you need to leave those labels behind. So when you look at your list, if there are labels on there that are disempowering to you, if there are things on there that are you're not proud of, then as the author of your own life, you rewrite your story. You rewrite the adjectives. And this is one of the things we do with clients when we talk about positive self-talk and we help them craft their actual affirmations because your affirmations are just, that's just the way I think of it is it, it 
affirmations are like the computer programming language for your mind. It's it's no different than like HTML or Java or C++ or whatever programming language that you would use to build something. That's what affirmations are for your mind. And value is about perception. It's it's about who you tell yourself you are going to be, and that's who you become. You become whoever you tell yourself you're going to be. You become whoever you think yourself to be. And most of us don't have a lot of intention about it. The labels, we they come into our life, and we accept them, and we never rewrite them. And a lot of times, unless you are involved in personal development, and you are in coaching, and you are reading books, and you're listening to podcasts, it doesn't even show up on your radar that positive self-talk or affirmations are, are such a critical part of your life. And so the invitation, the action here is just to consider what are the labels that you've put on you? Because every label has its limits. And it is those labels in the long term that end up limiting our performance much more than our skills or our potential. So, find the negative labels. Let go of them. Reauthor your life. Be free of these mistakes that Skip is talking about. And go forward and create anything. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.